to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning. Welcome into the podcast. I am Jay, and today is April the 21st, 2022. I want to start off today by uh, talking about a firefighter who was injured. Um, uh, I happen to know him, and uh, I'm not going to say which department. Um, that doesn't matter, but uh, I do know him, and uh, he's a good guy. And uh, I know his whole department is uh, is pulling for him. He was, he was injured on a scene, and uh, uh, he's now starting to recover. So my best wishes go out to him for a very speedy recovery and uh, a return to duty. And again, uh, his whole department's pulling for him. And I want to add my voice to theirs and and letting him know that uh, that he's missed. And everyone is hoping that he will get back to work quickly. I also want to uh, talk a little bit. There's a story out of uh, South Carolina, um, a fire chief. Um, um, his wife has, has had some, uh, legal difficulties and I was, uh, uh, asked to comment on, to comment on it by multiple people. And I just want to kind of, uh, lay out the, the reason I'm not going to, to make any comments, at least none that are, are, uh, very specific. And the reason is this, in this country of ours, in our society, um, there are accusations. Accusations are not indictments. Accusations are not um, the end result. In other words, uh, nobody has been found guilty of anything when accusations are leveled. I realize that we need to support victims. And, and so when you have victims, uh, you need to support them. At the same time, uh, we don't live in a society, at, at least uh, that we uh, immediately, although I know some people do, we immediately rush to judgment and say guilty or not guilty. Simply something we don't do. It has to be adjudicated. And so with respect to making comments, um, don't know all the facts. Uh, and so I'll refrain from doing it. I, I realize other people do it. Uh, some members of the media may do it. I'm not in... Uh, I'm not in the habit of doing that. Until all the facts are known, I'm not going to make any comment about it. So uh, let's go ahead and move on from that. I was having a great conversation uh, with um, a longtime uh, EMS director uh, in, a, in another state, uh, not the one in which I live. And been in the he's been in EMS, uh, I guess, since the maybe the mid-70s. So he's been around for, for most of the existence of EMS as we know it now. He's really well thought of, just an outstanding person. And he was telling me something that, you know, it just makes sense. Um, we're talking about the sort of uh, cross-pollination between EMS and fire. And he told me, he said, you know, you can't EMS a fire department and you can't fire department an EMS department. And I thought it was a very interesting way of looking at it. 
And his point, and, and I'm in agreement, is that if you're running, um, if, fire, if the fire department's running EMS, it's impossible to have great EMS workers also be great firefighters. You know, this isn't, this isn't the movies. You have some who are good at both, to be sure. But the disciplines are different. The, the, uh, the work that needs to be put in is different. And so you can end up with some good firefighters who are good EMTs, paramedics, whatever. But his contention, and he has done both, is that you can't expect the same results uh, if given the same tasks from both firefighters and, and, and uh, EMS personnel. I agree with him. And I think cities, counties, towns are setting themselves up uh, for future failure in, in one or both disciplines when they're trying to, to marry the two and have them both operate at a high level. That is not to say, and I want to make this abundantly clear, and this is from my perspective, that is not to say that firefighters uh, shouldn't have to become EMTs or, or uh, advanced EMTs or paramedics. I'm not saying that. The discussion, rather, is on trying to EMS a fire department. They're both different disciplines. And when you're trying to force EMS into the fire service, you're weakening the fire service. And where you're trying to force the fire service into EMS, you're weakening EMS. Again, two separate disciplines. It is good when you have firefighters who are first responders show up on an EMS scene and they know what they're doing. They can get the, the basics out of the way. Um, with a little more advanced training, they can impact a scene in a very positive way. A lot of it comes back to leadership. Some people believe that anybody, you know, if you get a guy who's been a paramedic for 12 years, that that person's automatically going to become uh, a really good EMS uh, division person, and nothing could be further from the truth. You need leaders, and leaders uh, are, abundantly, are made abundantly clear not by virtue of what they say, but by what they do. Same goes in any job, um, but here we're talking about EMS. And so I appreciate the conversation we had, and I'm going to pass this along to some people who were asking me about it, uh, a politician in particular, uh, because here's the bottom line. Um, running them as two different divisions within a fire department is probably a smart idea. Cross-pollination or trying to have all run all, it creates morale problems. It's a waste of money. And in the end... Um, if you're not careful, you can end up running both. So leadership matters. Um, time spent matters and not time spent looking good. Too many departments that want to look good, not too many, but we have departments that want to look good instead of being good. And that's EMS and fire and law enforcement and everyone else too. How you look matters. It does. You don't want to be a slob. But looking like you're good and being good, two entirely different things. I um, also want to pass this along. along. Um, I received a uh, 
an email from a friend of mine. I uh, haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, one of their uh, one of his fellow firefighters uh, ended up uh, in a in a desperate mental health situation, and I thought, well, I know what I can do. Um, you know, if if you're in mental distress, if you're if you're struggling, call one eight hundred two seven three. 8255 1-800-273-8255 If you're a veteran dial the same number but press 1 um, when it connects that'll get you to the veterans crisis line uh, no matter what call somebody talk to somebody there's no shame in it at all uh, everybody has their uh, the limits uh, that they reach and uh you know, we're individuals, no matter what. It doesn't take a village to raise a child. I'm sorry, it takes a village to raise an idiot. Ergo, village idiot. Um, it takes individuals making decisions. We are all different. Can't be painted with the same stroke. Um, and so, because we're all different, we reach our limits at different times. We might have, we certainly have different limits, um, different coping mechanisms. There's all sorts of things that go on with that. But again, if you feel in distress, reach out to someone, ask for help. I'm going to give those numbers one more time. 1-800-273-8255. Um, and then the, the second number is the same. 1-800-273-8255, but press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line. Important stuff to note down. Uh, the I guess it's been oh maybe a week ago. Uh, I was talking with a fire marshal. And uh, fire marshal, marshal is 1L, people. 1L, just 1, 1L. Marshal, 1L. Anyway, I was talking with a friend of mine. Uh, he's fire marshal, uh, and uh, he supervises uh, maybe a dozen fire inspectors and investigators. And he's talking about the inspections process. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a, a few comments on it since that's what I did for some time. Uh, I was a fire marshal, um, and uh, it, you know, one thing about being a, an effective fire marshal is, and, and I'm not saying it's the most important, but it's very important as always, always being a professional. Sometimes it's very difficult. You're going to deal with people who don't want you there, who don't want to comply with anything, and always feel as though, uh, because you represent the government, that the government's coming down on them. Um, there's a reason it's called the process. It's an inspections process. If you go in, and far too many people do, here's the two things you don't want to do. You don't want to go in and be somebody's best buddy, slapping them on the back, you know, chest bumping them, and, and uh, you know, getting free meals, um, all kinds of little goodies. Number one, it's illegal. It's unethical. And uh, you don't need it, period. You just don't. Conversely, you don't want to go in acting as though that person is a peasant and they're beneath you. I watch too many people. There are certain personalities that are drawn <laughs> to these sorts of things. Um, one is the aloof, I got to be in charge guy. Um, and, and that person's always a disaster. Not at the outset, but they'll cost the city or a state or a county someone. They're going to cost them a lawsuit. Um, they're going to cause a politician to, to have to intervene because they don't know how to treat people. 
They think they do, but they always go in as the, quote, authority, end quote. That's unfortunate. While you do have to be matter-of-fact, it helps to be that way. There also, there's also a human component to, uh, to it. You have to look at the people you're dealing with. Typically, if you can read people fairly well, you'll get a vibe instantly on how the person feels. Then you can adjust from trying to make the person feel at ease, or perhaps if it's someone you know just isn't going to comply, matter of fact, keeping your tone level throughout the whole thing. Uh, I went into a place one time that, that uh, had locked doors, um, exit doors with, with chains on them. And uh, they had also uh, done some modifications that uh, weakened the structure, the entire structure. And, of course, you can freak out and start saying, you can't do this. Instead, I said, yeah, I said you know, you're going to have to go up front and, and put the clothes sign on. Um, this is illegal, um, and you've made some modifications to a building that need to be addressed by an engineer. Set in a very level, straightforward, matter-of-fact tone and, and didn't have an issue. It depends on how you approach people. In addition, you have to keep on topic. There are people who will try to talk you out of what you're talking about. Um, you could be discussing something, say, that has to do with a locked exit door or a blocked exit door. And they're going to try to get you off topic. They, they might have the gift of gab. And people with that, they think they can talk anybody or anyone into anything. One of the best things to do is just keep bringing it back to the topic. Um, keep it on topic. That's important. Keep it on topic. Go through the process. And then come out on the other end. Something else. No favors. Don't do favors. Don't receive favors. But remember this. If, you're, if you are inspecting a business, um, whatever it is, they're your lifeblood of a city or town. They are. They're the lifeblood. So you want to be matter-of-fact and on point. But remember, these people contribute to the economy. Uh, they're neighbors oftentimes. Um, they're people who have uh, a vested interest in, in, you know, the running of their business. It feeds their families. Um, there's all kinds of things to think about, but I think keeping that first and foremost, they're not subjects. They're not. Uh, they're citizens. The goal is compliance. And never forget that the businesses are lifeblood. So you have to approach it with, with that idea in mind, that they're, life, that they're the lifeblood of a community. You don't want people to lose their lives. You don't want to have to go to a place to fight a fire. And you certainly don't want to leave violations in place. But remember, the tone, that's important. Also, on vital points, don't waver. It's a blocked or locked exit. Don't leave without it being corrected. If uh, you have a hood system in a restaurant and it's been activated and hasn't been uh, fixed up to that point, you can't let them keep cooking. You just can't. You can't waver on those things. Even if it's rush hour, their busiest day of the month, whatever it is, you know, 
Um, there are certain things, and especially on vital safety points, you cannot waver. So don't. Don't waver on those things. That's also important. The inspection process uh, is something that, that the inspector and the fire department, they're used to it. Citizens aren't. Keep that in mind. Again, the goal is, is compliance. Um, you're always going to run into people who hate you just because you walk through the door. I've had it many times. I've sat and listened to people tell me that I was trying to put them out of business simply because I wanted them to put up an exit sign. That this was going to run them out of business. And uh, that kind of thing happens. Uh, some people, I, I recall one gentleman... Um, this was in an industrial area of the city in which I was the fire marshal. And uh, it was a small office, but they, had a, they, they were an industrial uh, small company. And uh, when I was in there, I realized that, that the fire extinguisher had been discharged and, and hung back up. And I said, you're going to have to replace this. The guy went absolutely ape, you know what. Um, told me he would call the mayor. So... I gave him the number. He called. Um, after a few minutes, he got through. And he began to tell the mayor what was going on. And let me say this. The mayor that I worked for then didn't especially like the fire department. Um, but he told him there was nothing that he could do and to talk to the, uh, the head fire marshal. So the guy comes back to me, and he said, I want to speak to the head fire marshal. And I said, yeah, well, that's me. And he lost it again. His wife, hearing all this, uh, came in and said, can you come back in two hours? I'll have the extinguisher. And I said, sure. So went back in two hours, and there it was. The guy had gone home. That happens. If you expect that, if you expect that on every inspection, it's kind of a good thing. If I go in and I'm going, you know what, this may be difficult. Not probably will be, but maybe. If I go in thinking that, then is it, if it's better, I can adjust. If you go in thinking every one of them is going to be easy, that's when you're going to get blindsided by the hard ones. Just advice. The fire inspection process. Again, it's a process. Finally today, I want to talk, I want to add some comments to the other day when I was talking about training. I got quite a bit of feedback by it, uh, from it. Uh, a lot of people saying, you know what, this makes sense, yada, 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 whatever. Um, about um, the things that we're, we're not doing. The things that we've gotten into this lame training. And, uh, you know, it, it just makes sense. It really does. Um, you have to be in a position to uh, not accept training that, that's simply subpar. People who are training to meet uh, some artificial standard, that's fine. You have to do it. Typically, 90% of that information is lost, maybe higher. It's the rote crap. Now, it looks good to people who like rote crap. Um, it looks good to an admin person. It looks good to, to the paper checkers. But it doesn't do a firefighter any good. It just doesn't. 
and I tell everybody, you want to know if your command staff cares for you at all? What kind of training are you doing? You want to know whether you have a company officer worth anything? What kind of training are they doing? If they spend more time making coffee than they do actively training you, you've got an issue. And spare me the people who say, well, you know, you get, so, you get company officers say, well, that's up to my crew to train them. No, it's not. It's never been that way. And here's why. You're responsible. You are responsible. If you're the company officer, you're responsible. Not anyone else. Sure, you can hold it off on the training officer and the upper command staff because they set the tone. You go to a department where there's no training, it's not hard to figure out why. But you don't leave it to your crew. That's fine if you want to say, okay, I'm going to delegate this and you guys train on this today, but you better be watching. How do you know what's being taught? How many people fake paperwork? They pencil whip it constantly on stuff done. Yeah. Well, that falls apart too. Just takes a little bit of time. It'll fall apart. That's going to do it for today. Well, actually, let me finish with this. Train. You know, educate yourself, educate your people, and train them. It's key. That's going to do it for today. Until tomorrow, stay safe.